past two services, well, this, this one and the one before this one, I've watched that and just been overcome uh, with emotion. And I wasn't planning on doing this, but I, I did this for the last service, and we're going to do this again uh, in this service. Uh, I'll first say that prayer box, we have it sitting uh, outside of this room. It's either going to be in the atrium or it's going to be outside uh, in front of the church when you get here on Sundays. So take advantage of that. You can grab a marker. You can write a prayer on there. Know that those are being seen. Know that those are being prayed for. Um, but I don't know if there was one particular that stuck out to you. I feel like I saw new ones this service than I did last service. And uh, for, for the mom that wrote that prayer for her sons, um, I don't do this a lot. I don't know why I'm doing it right now, but <laughs> it just grabbed me, man. Um, I just want to, I don't know if you're here in this service or what, but if you are, I just want to pray for you. Um, God would give you everything you need to lead your boys to become godly men who live out their purpose. And uh, church, I don't know if there was a prayer that you saw on the screen as that was playing that connected with your heart, uh, but if so, I just want to ask you as I pray, if you pray and um, again, I, I told the last service, I don't want us to be a church that just sees that stuff and walks by it because if so, we're missing the point of this series. Um, we want to be a church that prays. And so we're going to pray, all right? Um, so I just asked, would you join me in doing that? Father, I just want to cry out on behalf of that mom. God, whether she's here in this service or the last or the one that's coming, Father, give her everything she needs. God, to be a beautiful picture of Jesus' love to her boys. God, I pray, God, that you would give her confidence and courage and know that she has everything that she'll ever need in you to be what she needs to be for her sons. I pray for her sons, God, that you would raise them up to be godly men, men who find hope and purpose and meaning in you and in you alone. God, use the lives of those sons, God, to shape the world for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. God, I just thank you for this church, God. And for being able to put stuff out in front of each other like that and just say, man, I need you guys. Pray for me. And God, help us to be a church that doesn't just walk by those needs, God, but stops long enough to call out on their behalf and to pray, Father. Just give us those hearts. God, I just pray, um, as that first prayer on that box said, God, that you would, God, help me to speak the word boldly today. God, we pray over our time. Pray that you work, move change us before we leave this place. We love you, and we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, get the snot off my face, and we'll get going. Uh, man, Matthew 6. Let's get our Bibles. Go Matthew 6. Last week was our very first week of uh, the prayer series series. Put our creative minds together at Westridge and came up with that for a name. How do you like that? The prayer series. Um, in case you missed last week, and and I say this often, just in case anybody falls behind or has to miss church, uh, we always post the messages online for free every week. You can go there, you can watch the video, or you can download the audio and listen to it anytime you'd like. So if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to do that. But just in case you weren't here, I just want to give a quick little snapshot, quick little recap of where we were to help us uh, get going today. So last week we talked about how not to pray. 
before Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he told them what to avoid in prayer. And if you remember from last week, here's basically what Jesus told them. He said, when you guys pray, first and foremost, don't be fake. He said, don't pray like the hypocrites, the pretenders, the fakers, the guys who pray just to put on a show so that other people will be impressed with how awesome and religious they are. Jesus goes, don't pray like that. Um, and don't pray like that because God doesn't answer or reward those kind of prayers. Uh, the only reward people are going to get when they pray fake prayers is other people, again, looking at them and going, wow, they're really religious. They're really church. They must really love God. Jesus is going, God's not impressed with that. So don't pray those kind of prayers. And the next thing Jesus says is when you pray, don't be annoying. Don't be annoying. He goes, listen, don't come to God with a bunch of thoughtless, empty phrases and words and attempts to annoy him into listening to you and doing what you want. He said, don't, don't come to God with that. He said, God doesn't want a lot of words from you. Instead, what God wants from you is a lot of heart. He wants you to come to him and talk to him openly, plainly, honestly, and he doesn't need you to try to annoy him to get his attention. Listen, I said this last week, I'll say it again. If you are a son or a daughter of God, you know Jesus, you have God's attention. He is listening to you, and all he wants from you is for you just to talk to him as one of his kids. And here's what Jesus promises. He says, when you do that, when you don't pray fake prayers, don't pray annoying prayers, and you come to talk to God, your focus is on him and on him alone, Jesus' promise is God will always reward you. He'll always reward you. And here's what he rewards you with every time you pray. He rewards you with his presence and with his ear. He allows you to walk into his presence confidently, Call, or, or boldly, courageously, and he turns his ear to listen to what you have to say. And I told you last week, if you don't get that that's the greatest reward of prayer, then none of your questions about prayer beyond that matter. You've got to get that that's the greatest reward that prayer offers us, the presence and the ear of God. Now, after Jesus teaches this in Matthew 6, he starts teaching his disciples how to pray. And he gives them what many of us in the room would know today as the Lord's Prayer. This is his instruction. This is his model. Now, he doesn't want them to just simply repeat this prayer when they pray. He gives this to them again so that they can understand what it is they're supposed to pray for, what it is they're supposed to ask for, and what's supposed to be going on with their hearts and their minds as they talk to God. Um, today, I thought it'd be cool if, uh, if we could just stop as a church, and like we did at the beginning of last week, just corporately read this prayer together. So um, just out of honor for God's word, since we're doing this together this morning, I just want to ask you if you would just to stand with me, and uh, we're going to throw the verses up here on the screen, and just so we're not reading like 18 different Bible versions, let's just read from here, okay? Cool? Here's what the Bible says, and you can read this for me, or read this with me. Jesus says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. 
Now here's what we're going to focus on today for our time together. Jesus, at the beginning of that prayer, as he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he starts off by telling them and teaching them how they should approach and address God as they pray. That's where we're going to go today. What is the address of prayer all about, and what does it teach us? Now, this is why it's so important to understand how we should address, because the way that we address anybody matters, right? And so if you think about addressing God, we need to get what that's about. Um, think about how you address coworkers, friends, family members, spouse, boss, you know what I mean, your kids. The way that you talk to them, the way that you approach them, the way that you, a, the way that you begin a conversation with them, it, it definitely matters. Um, it's why some of us in the room keep losing friends and we don't know why, right? What does nobody like me? Dude, you don't want to talk to people. That's why, right? You don't know how to address people. It's why some of you guys, you keep fighting with your husbands and your wives. Like, idiot, pick up your socks never works, does it? I mean, that type of approach and address, that's bad. It's a bad way to start a conversation. Um, some of you guys in here that are single, that's why you can't get a date, right? You don't know how to address people, and we'll help you. We got some people in here who want to get you married, so we love you. We're glad you're here. We're praying for you. Let us know if we can help, all right? Um, the way that we address people matters. Jesus thinks it matters so much that he wanted to stop and teach that we should address God in a particular way when we pray. And here's how Jesus says we should approach and address God. He said we should come to God when we pray and say simply to him, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. This is how we should address God. And for our time together this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to break down this address and just talk about the amazing truth that this address of prayer teaches us about how to pray and what we need to be mindful of when we pray. So if you're taking notes, write down this first statement. This address of prayer teaches us first and foremost that Jesus makes prayer possible. Jesus makes prayer possible. And I'm going to explain what I mean, okay? Um, to address God as Father, like Jesus was teaching us to do here in this prayer, uh, during this time that Jesus was alive, this was unheard of. It was unheard of. Today for us, I mean, this is just how we pray, right? I mean, we're ready to get past the dear Heavenly Father part so we can get on to the more important stuff. Um, when Jesus taught this, just this opening line of prayer, our Father in heaven would have caught his crowd completely off guard. You see, this term that Jesus used, it was an Aramaic word. He spoke Aramaic um, when he was alive. And it's a word that's translated from the Aramaic into English, and it simply means daddy. That's what it means. It was a very personal and very intimate title that Jesus was calling God when he prayed and calling his followers to approach God with when they prayed. Now, the religious people during this time hated Jesus for referring to God like this. They hated that he was teaching his disciples to approach God like this. And here's the simple reason why. It's because, again, Jesus, by doing this, was claiming that you could have a very intimate, personal relationship with God the Father that these men clearly didn't have, and it angered them so much where their attitude toward Jesus was, what in the world gives you the right to call God your dad? I mean, what in the world? How do you think you're able to go to him and approach him as 
Abba, Father, Daddy. And not only that, what gives you the right to tell people that are following you to do that? This is their attitude toward him. Uh, Church, can I tell you what gives Jesus the right to call God that and what gives us the right to call God that? Here's what it is, okay? Here's what gives him and us the right. First, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of God. I mean, if you're a son of someone, what are you going to call him? You're going to call him mom. You're going to call him dad. And so Jesus, as the Son of God, the Father, he's got every right to call God whatever he wants because he's the Son. He can call God dad. Here's the other amazing thing. Um, He gives us that right through that right there, through his death on the cross, the Bible tells us that Jesus gave you and I the right to be called children of God. Jesus makes prayer possible. So what gives Jesus the right for, you know, teach us how to approach God like this? Well, he laid down his life so that we could approach God like this. He sacrificed his own sinless, perfect life at the cross like we just sang a minute ago so that you and I could have a way to come and talk to God as our dad. He's got every right to teach this, to call us to approach God like this. Now, um, in case you don't believe me, let me just read some Bible to you, okay? Here's what the scripture says. John 1, 12, um, but to all Jesus who believed in his name, he gave what? Gave the right to be called children of God. He gave us that right. Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 6. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son so that we might receive adoption as sons. Or if you're a woman, as daughters. And because you're sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And we again cry out, Abba, Father, or Dad. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to these verses out of this chapter 4 and 5, in love, in love, God predestined us for adoption as sons or daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Again, church, here's what we can't miss this morning when it comes to prayer, okay? You and I, if we know Jesus, have every right to come into the presence of God and call on him as our dad. And the reason that we have that right again is because Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin and given us that right. Now, church, we've got to understand in light of that what an amazing privilege prayer truly is. Unbelievable. That God would make a way through his son's life for us to become adopted sons and daughters. You see, this is why, church, we can't ever afford to approach prayer flippantly. We can't ever afford to approach prayer lightly. We can't be prideful when it comes to prayer, church. And why? Because prayer costs Jesus his life. Jesus makes prayer possible. And so I want to encourage us to be that church that prays. And every time we pray, we stop and we thank God for loving us enough to give us a way to call on him as our dad. We can't ever approach it lightly. I also want us to be the church that does this. Every time we pray, I want you to remember how loved you are by God. Some of you in the room, um, you hear me talk about us calling God dad. And for you, that's a bad thing. Because your dad was absent or your dad was abusive and you think about God as dad, well, if that's who he is, I don't want him. Can can I tell you something, church? Everything your dad wasn't, God is. 
And everything that your dad was, God isn't. Okay, the Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. He loves you more than you'll ever comprehend. And every time you pray, you've got to remember that God is everything that you need in a father. Everything. You've got to remember, he loves you when you pray. And him making a way for us to simply talk to him, that's proof enough. Um, the last thing I want to say about this before I go on is, um, if you're here this morning... And you don't know Jesus. I need you to understand, and I'm saying this in love, okay? So just hang with me. I need you to understand that you don't have the right to call on God as your father in prayer. And the reason is very simple, because Jesus makes prayer possible. And if you don't know the one who makes prayer possible, who makes us sons and daughters, you're not a son or daughter, and you can't call on God as your father, now, here's what I say in light of that, and again, in love and, and with humility. I don't say that to be prideful. I don't say that to say, ah, oh, we're Christians, we're awesome, we're better than you. I say that to say to you, come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus today. Believe in what he's done for you at the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin, rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life. He made the way for you to have a relationship with God as a son or a daughter. And you need to come and know him today. Place your faith in Jesus before you leave today so that you can leave this place knowing he's my father, I'm his kid, he loves me. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus. Um, this next thing that we uh, can understand and learn from this address of prayer is this, is that we never pray alone. We never pray alone. I, I love this. There are two incredible verses in the Bible that talks about how this is, True, and uh, one of them is Hebrews 7.25. Listen to what this says. It says, Consequently, he, speaking about Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, this verse is insane when you get what it means, okay? The Bible tells us that when we pray, Jesus is not just standing around in the presence of the Father twiddling his thumbs, right? Um, he's not standing there just pointing us in the right direction when we pray. This verse tells us that when we pray, Jesus is there and he's praying right alongside of us. Church, the Bible says Jesus lives to pray for you. He lives to make intercession for you as a son or a daughter of God. Now, if you were a church kid growing up like I was, let me tell you what this doesn't mean, okay? This doesn't mean that when you pray, Jesus is in the presence of God gossiping about you, right? You, ch you church people, you know what I'm talking about? You, you remember Sunday school prayer time came around? Who do we need to pray for? And somebody raised their hand and we need to pray for Bobby, right? Bobby saw a rated R movie this weekend and I heard he had a beer. We need to pray for Bobby. Um, nobody cared about really praying for Bobby. They just wanted to gossip about Bobby. And by the end of the week, nobody prayed for him. Everybody's talking about him. Right? And some of us, we hear Jesus is praying for me. I don't want that. That's got to be bad, right? Because everybody else that prayed for me just ended up talking about me. That's not Jesus. It's not him. Listen, when the Bible says he's in the presence of the Father praying for you, it means that Jesus is there and he's got a deep love and a deep concern for you and he wants what's best for you as a son or a daughter of God and that's what he's asking God for on your behalf. He lives to pray for you, church.
We never pray alone. Um, it gets even better. It gets even better, and I'll tell you how. Because the Bible says that not only is Jesus praying with us and for us when we pray, um, but the Holy Spirit is also doing the same. Listen to Romans 8.26. The Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So I'll tell you how this plays out in a couple ways, okay? Um, one, let's just say you're going through a season of life that is tough, you're hurting, you're broken, you want to pray to God, but you have no idea what to say to him. The promise from the scripture is this, is that going on behind the scenes is a prayer time, and it involves the Holy Spirit. And he's coming to God on your behalf and going, God, I know they can't even come up with words right now, but here's what they need. And God, I'm asking you, would you give them what they need because they can't even ask for it. Holy Spirit's praying for you. Um, Also, when we pray for dumb things, the Holy Spirit's praying for us, right? Anybody pray for dumb things? I'm not the only one guilty, right? Um, You guys are lying in church. But uh, we pray for dumb things. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing? He's coming to God and going, that prayer's really dumb. I don't know if he says it like that, but this is just me talking. That prayer's dumb. They don't need that. God, here's what they really need instead. This is going to be better in the long run, so God, give them that. Uh, give you an example. I started playing tennis about a year ago, okay? Tennis makes me sin, not going to lie. The game frustrates me to death. Uh, I play with one of my buddies, and we play together a few times a week, and I've gotten better over the last year, a lot better. The problem is, he's gotten a lot better as well. And when we started, he was already better than me. So we're kind of doing this, and I'm not catching up. And uh, every time we pray, I, I play, I lose. I go out to the court, and I, start, I have not won a match against him yet. And uh, I'm competitive, too competitive for my own good, so it's not a good thing. So I literally, I'm just being honest, okay? This is a dumb prayer. I've gone onto the tennis court before and went, God, would you just help me win one? God, just, just one. God, help my ping pong skills to make it to the tennis court because there's a gap somewhere. Help me to win just one. God, I want to walk off the court, head held high just one time. Um, God hasn't answered that prayer yet. And I think it's because... I think it's because the Holy Spirit behind the scenes is going, ah, God, James is still real prideful, so he needs to keep losing so that he can stay humble, right? I don't know that's really happening, but there's a picture of the Holy Spirit praying for you. You don't even know what you have to ask for, need to ask for, but the Holy Spirit knows, and he's asking God on your behalf. When you pray, you never pray alone. Church, how unbelievable is it to know That when we in prayer go and call on our Father, our Dad in heaven, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are walking beside us into his presence and praying to their Father who is our Father on our behalf. We never pray alone. That's what this address reminds us of. Our Father. Um, The next thing this address of prayer teaches us is this, is that as Christians we need to be praying for each other. As Christians, we need to pray for each other. Um, It's interesting that when Jesus gives us this address, he doesn't say that we should pray to my Father in heaven, right? He says, no, 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 when you pray, you need to pray to our Father in heaven. And if you read this prayer and pay attention to it, what you find is that every single pronoun that Jesus uses in the prayer is plural. Um, you, You guys know what a pronoun is, right? Okay, even if you don't, just act like you do. I'm from Paulding County. I get it, okay? Um, 
I'll point them out so we're all on the same page. Here we go. Ready? Jesus says in the address that we should pray to our Father. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Do you hear that? All of those are plural. And Jesus teaches that way for a reason. And here's why he teaches that we should pray to our Father in heaven. It's so that when we come to this place of prayer, we don't ever forget that we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. And that part of, or that something that we're a part of as sons and daughters of God, it's, it's called the church. And I'm not just talking about Westridge Church, I'm talking about Big C Church. I'm talking about all the sons and daughters of God that have ever lived, are alive now, will ever live in the future, spread out to the ends of the earth. That's what we're a part of. And Jesus is calling us when we pray to be mindful of other people who are also a part of God's family. So here's the challenge and here's the the encouragement for us. Um, When you pray, don't pray like you're an only child. Right? Like don't pray like you're it. Like you're God's only kid. And and here's the thing that we've got to be concerned about and we've got to be wary of. We can never let ourselves get to the place where our prayer lives are are simply defined by prayers and never move beyond prayers that sound something like this. Um, God, this is what I want. God, this is what I need. God, this is what's going on in my life. God, this is what I want you to do for me. Those prayers, they're okay at times, and you need to pray for yourself. But if your prayer life never goes beyond that, there is a problem because you're part of something greater than yourself, and you've got to be mindful of that when you pray. As Christians, we need to pray for each other. I'll give you some practical ways to do that, okay? Um, One, when you pray, pray for your Christian friends. Pray for those people in your life who love Jesus, are following Jesus, find out what they struggle with, find out what their victories are, talk to them about their families, their kids, their jobs. Um, Pray that God would give them courage each and every day, wherever they are, jobs, neighborhood, whatever it is, to have the boldness and the courage to love Jesus and to share him with other people. Pray for your Christian friends. And if you're one of the people that would say, uh, James, I don't really have many Christian friends, if any, good news, we have a little thing here at Westridge called journey groups, okay? And full of people from this church who love Jesus, getting together throughout the week, reading this book together, eating together, encouraging each other, praying for one another. You can sign up for a group before you leave today, the Help Center. Go to westridge.com this afternoon. Go to our groups page. Find a group so that you can be a part of praying for Christian friends and have people praying for you as well. Um, Another practical way, pray for the people that go to church here, even if you don't know them. Westridge, I told you about this last week. We've got a blog, a prayer blog that you can go to access from our website, westridge.com slash pray. And you can go there and you can read prayer requests that people have posted right on the wall. You can let them know you prayed for them. And you can actually post your own request there on the wall as well and have people praying for you. Um, You know we have two other services on Sunday mornings, right? We got people coming at 9 o'clock. We got people coming at 12 o'clock. You don't see those people most weeks, but you need to pray for them. Pray for them. You don't know their names, but pray for the people that go to this church. Again, struggles, victories, their families, their courage to love and share Jesus. Um, Here's another practical thing you can pray for when it comes to other believers. Pray for the pastors of this church. 
Pray for me, pray for Matt, for Brian, Rebecca, Emily. Pray for Helen, pray for Devin. Here's what I need you to know, church. All the pastors on staff at this at Westridge, we wear skin just like you do. We don't have it all figured out. We have sins of our own. We struggle with insecurities. We struggle with pride. There are things, man, if you could come live in my house with me and my wife and daughter for a week, you'd see what I'm talking about, okay? Listen, we need you praying for us. The enemy is trying to destroy us and our families just like he's trying to destroy yours. And I'll confidently and honestly say this. Our staff, we're praying for you. We do. Every week we stop and we pray on Tuesday mornings for you guys. We need you to pray for us. We need that prayer covering. Um, Here's another one. Pray for other churches and Christians in Cartersville. You guys know that Westridge isn't the only church up here, right? Some of you guys go, yeah, we do, because we left another one and came here. Um, Glad glad you're here. Um, Some of you guys might be leaving here and going to another one. Hey, if you love Jesus and that's a place, awesome. We love you. Um, Here's what you got to understand, though, man. We all, okay, let me say it like this. I'm not here to try to compete with other churches in Cartersville. If they love Jesus and they're doing kingdom work and they're preaching the gospel, praise God for them. I hope their churches are filled every Sunday and I pray God uses that church for his glory. I'm not here to compete. We're all on the same team. We're all trying to accomplish the same purpose for the same person whose name is Jesus Christ. And you and I, man, we got to stop long enough to realize that, get that, and pray for the other churches in this area. Man, a book I've been reading as I've been studying for this series, just convicted me this week about this. Um, The guy who's writing the book asked the question, do you as a pastor, do you have your people stop and pray for other churches in your community? Or do you and your staff pray for other churches in the community? I've been here almost four months now, and I'm going, I don't think we've done that yet. And so here's what I did. I came in Tuesday morning before our staff meeting again. We pray from 9.30 to 10 as a staff here. I came in, put my stuff down and said, we're not praying for us today. We're not praying. We're not going to say the name Westridge today. Um, what churches are in our area? What pastors are in our area? And we're praying for them. And we got on our faces for half an hour and we just prayed for the other churches in this area that are right around us. We've got to do that, church. God's church is bigger than Westridge. And we need to pray for his church, not just our church. One, one last thing. Um, another practical way to pray for other Christians. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. I want you to know today that there are Christ followers in places in the world today that because they love Jesus and they're following Jesus, they're being hunted down, arrested, persecuted, and killed. They're experiencing things that you and I will never experience here because here, um, it's easy to be a Christian here, right? I mean, we're free to show up on Sunday mornings and worship. We're free to talk about Jesus, you know, however we want. There, it's not like that. I mean, there are places in China where if you get baptized publicly, you could lose everything. House, job, family, friends. Again, even your freedom, even your life. And guess what's happening in China right now? The church is exploding. It's exploding. We need to stop and pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering because of their love for Jesus. Um, there's some websites. I want you to write these down. You take a picture of them, whatever. Uh, three websites. We're going to throw them up on the screen. Persecution.com, joshuaproject.net. 
operationworld.org. On these three websites, they're constantly updating stories. Um, Joshua Project and Operation World, they're giving you unreached people groups all over the globe to pray for. Uh, These two websites, you can actually go and read about specific countries, towns, villages, and see their specific prayer needs. And so I just encourage you, make it a regular habit to go to these websites, pray for these people. It'll help you keep perspective on what it looks like to be a Christian outside of this country that we live in. Uh, We need to be praying for these people. All right, last thing, and then we'll close, okay? Um, The last thing that this address of prayer, our Father in heaven, teaches us and reminds us of is this, is that our dad can do anything. Our dad can do anything. Jesus tells us not just to pray to our Father, but he says we need to pray to our Father in heaven. And Jesus doesn't teach this. He's not making reference so much as to where God is as he's making reference to what God can do. Um, I I don't know if this lady's here this morning. I'm not going to call her out by name, but uh, uh, last week after one of the services, we had a lady here in church, and she needed prayer. So she called some of our pastors and elders around her, and, uh, and we prayed for her, just some medical issues that she's going through. And I love what she said right before we prayed. She said, I'm asking you to pray for me because I believe God can do anything. I believe he can do anything. Church, um, do you believe that? Do you believe God can do anything? Do you believe that nothing is impossible for him? Like, do you believe what the Bible says in Ephesians 3.19, that God can do more than we can ask or imagine through the power that is at work within us? You see, I'll tell you if if you want to know about yourself, if you believe this or not. Look at your prayer life. Do you pray worried, panicked, freaked out, stressed out prayers? God, I'm coming to you, and I think you're in control, and I know that I think you can do this, and here's what I need, and uh, I'm worried, worried, worried. Or do you come to God and say, God, nothing is impossible for you. God, you are bigger, you are stronger, you are greater than anything I will face in life. You're sovereign, you are in control, you know what I need better than I know what I need. And God, I believe that nothing is too hard for you. And so God, here's what I need to pray for. Here's what I need to pray for. Jesus says this is how we address God in prayer. As our dad who can do anything, he can do anything. Do you believe? Here's how we're going to close today. I've asked Matt to come and to sing a song for us. And if you want to sing it, you can sing it. It's new. So if you just want to sit in your seat and let it wash over you, the lyrics are just so fitting for this morning. If you want to come and get on your face and use the front of this stage as an altar and just pray and cry out to God, then you do that. If you just want to worship and celebrate God because he made a way for you to talk to him, Thank him for that. Um, If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. Again, the invitation is come to Jesus. The Bible says there's no magic prayer that saves us. We just got to be willing to repent of some sins and we need to be willing to believe some things are true about Jesus. Here's what you need to be willing to believe and confess today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came into the world to die on a cross in your place for your sins and you need to be willing to believe and confess that God raised him from the dead three days later so that you could have eternal life. And the Bible says you believe and confess that's true about Jesus, God will save you. He'll make you a new creation. He'll start changing you in ways that you can't imagine. 
And so right where you are, if you need to believe and confess that, you can do it right in your seat as we sing this song. Father, would you just be with us during this time? We thank you for being a loving Father. We thank you for giving us access to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. We thank you today that we can come to you with confidence and with courage, knowing that nothing is too hard for you. God, we praise you for all that you are, for all that you've done for us. Be glorified in this place. We pray this in your name.